This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Today's topic is uh, communication styles. And before we begin, I wanted to talk a little bit about communication because it is so important to the things that we do as a company and as consultants. And um, we know that it's like this huge, hairy topic. And we're probably going to talk about communication a million times in a million different ways. It's going to weave in and out of every conversation that we have with you guys and around this table. So yeah, so today we're just starting with communication styles uh, to kind of set the baseline for all the other communication topics going forward. I will say that every single company that we have worked with, and I'm not being hyperbolic here, every single company that we've worked with has said that they need help with communication. Everyone feels like communication can always be better. So that's why we're starting with this little piece of communication today. So Don, why don't you kick us off? Can you tell us a story or a time where communication styles were very obvious to you, but maybe not so obvious to someone else? Share a story with us. So years ago, I used to be the president of a church congregation. And as anyone knows who has ever been on a church council of any church congregation, uh, it's incredibly rewarding work where everyone communicates perfectly with each other. No, that is false. That is not true. So working on this church council, we were doing a lot of different things. We were actually working to build, expand on our building. We were putting in new programs. We were adding a new church service that was going to be a contemporary service. It was the first time we were doing a whole bunch of these different things. And I was really energized by the discussions. I could not wait to go to the different committee meetings and think about how can we attack this. And there was one other person who was always on the same committees that I was on who we became, I don't want to say mortal enemies. That's kind of, that's kind of extreme, but we would always clash. And what we, what happened is we would start to talk about like, okay, we're going to do this new service and what can we do? Da, 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 da. And I would say, Hey, this is going to be great. Why don't we do a breakfast before the service? And that'll attract everybody. We can all eat together. And this person would always say, well, I don't know how we're going to do a breakfast. Do we have a license in the kitchen? Can we do the, how much are we going to get the food? Who's going to run the breakfast? Can we even do that? Is that how many people are going to attend? Well, how are we going to keep the food warm? Where are we going to set it up? How are we going to clean up after it? And they would ask all these questions and they would just really crush my dreams. Like I would say like, look at all the great things we could do. And they would say, well, let, let me ask all the questions and let me talk about all the things that we can't do. Here to tell you all the reasons that we can't do it. So finally, after a few meetings of this, uh, this other person and I decided we needed to go to lunch because we were friends and, and we, we knew each other and had, had respected each other, but we just were not clicking. And when we sat down, what we started talking about was where in the discussions we were getting on each other's nerves. And I was surprised because she was telling me like, look, all these ideas that you have, they're great ideas, but how are we going to execute them? You're just willy-nilly throwing stuff out there, and there's no way we can execute all of this stuff. I see. I feel this woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is you, Diana. I just coded it instead of consulting company. I feel like, I you, did. I feel like you did. That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. So throwing all these ideas out and she said, and I said, but you're shooting down all of these ideas. Like we could make some progress on some of these ideas if you just let some of these things go. And so we started talking and we started to realize that we needed to develop a language between us. We needed to figure out 
using our strengths, our natural communication styles, understanding where we were coming from. Uh, one of the things we recognized, and we both had particularly taken the Strengths Finder test specifically, and the Strengths Finder test, I was an activator, which means like, it's go, make decisions. Decisions are temporary, move, move, move. And one of her strengths is a deliberative, and which means she likes to deliberate. She likes to think over things. Uh, in our communication language, we would we would put those two different categories as a whiteboard user, which would be me, and then also as an outliner, which would definitely be her. And once we realized that, once we recognized what we each brought to the table, we started to create some rules for ourselves. So like we would say, okay, it's okay for you to think about some of the ideas, but then we need to stop and we need to ask some, you need to let me ask some questions. And I said, okay, well, we'll let you ask some questions, but let's ask questions and figure out what the first milestone might be. Like, how far can we go? Like if we're thinking about doing a church breakfast, for example, can we say, well, yeah, that might be a good idea. Look, I have questions on the food. I have questions on who's going to clean it up. Who's going to serve the food. Can we even serve the food? All those things. And then we capture those questions and then maybe spin off and work on that for a little while and then come back. Like, can we, can we create some language so we can get some traction on things? And what ended up happening was from there on out, the two of us worked together very, very well. Uh, it ended up being where we understood that Mike's style was to ideate and to think big picture. Hers was to think more about the details and collect information. You really needed both of those different types to work together. So once we created that common language and started, we started working together a lot more effectively. Uh, Diana, you know, you mentioned you and I have worked together for a long time. That story preceded us, but I think it was really, you know, thinking back to it, it, it was a great example for me on like why I knew that I needed someone like you on our team uh, yeah. because with my ideation out there, I knew that we needed somebody like uh, Diana who comes in and asks a lot of questions and says, I need to figure out how are we going to execute all of this stuff so we're not just ideating all the time. Um, I think that's what happens with us as humans is that we show up and we think that everybody else thinks the same way we do. We think that everybody else likes to communicate the way we do. And so sometimes we surround ourselves with people who are like ourselves, because if I get in a room with a bunch of ideators, we have a blast. We have a good time. When Matt and I just, or when Matt and I drive together, we're just coming up with solutions for everything. And, and, then, oh my God. and then at the end of the day, it's like, it's like, who, what are we, what did we accomplish? <laughs> right. I don't know if we accomplished anything. We just accomplished a lot of good laughter, some few jokes and some great ideas. Uh, we need each other and we need those different communication styles. And that's why we wanted to talk about communication styles today. Yeah. And, you know, Don, we, we accomplish everything. We have a great time doing it. Now, the, do, whether other people see the accomplishments that we have made, that's up for debate. Uh, but we feel great about what that interaction looks like. I think that's a great story to maybe kick this conversation off. Communication is something that we, you know, I mean, we live and we breathe it um, every day. Uh, not just not just us as people centric, but us, everybody that's listening right now. I think if there's two main things that people reach out to us for support on, um, it's always culture, right? Like uh, we 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 need a better culture. We've we've tried the culture team. We need to improve our culture. And then uh, the second one, I think that's always at the top of the list is communication. Communication is broken. Yeah. The interesting thing about both of those words is they're huge. Uh, communication, we look at it in terms, and Don, I think you said it said it well, we look at it in terms as why won't this person cooperate? Or how come this person is being difficult? Uh, whenever we have the opportunity to be able to speak to organizations about communication and we go through this communication styles, you know, kind of module that we have uh, as people-centric, one of the questions that I always like to ask people is, how do you currently, how do we currently communicate with people who might communicate uh, as our exact opposite? 
And I think they kind of look, you know, uh, look around because nobody wants to say it. And then finally, some brave person in the room will say, you don't. And I think that's true. Like, we just tend to avoid those people that are opposite of us as far as the communication styles, because we're translating their oppositeness, if I could, um, as being difficult, or it's always a challenge, or you stress me out. Uh, and we, we label people and we put them in a box like that. What the benefit of the communication styles module and some of the things that we're going to talk about today as far as communication is concerned, um, the benefit of that is we can now effectively label people, right? We can we can put a title uh, to, those, to those things. We want to effectively label, um, not ineffectively label. So as we walk through some of these different things, we're going to you know just kind of have a conversation around what this looks like and maybe some of the pain points that it presents um, but hopefully by the end of this, we're going to come, come away together as, okay, recognizing um, not everybody communicates the same way that I do, which is good. Uh, but how do I then step outside of myself to be able to engage and communicate with others who might be my opposite? So in this day and age that we have, we are in this age where communication uh, options are endless. And I just kind of want to brainstorm maybe what are those different ways that we actually communicate now? Like rapid fire, who has who has one? Um, our team uses Teams, so yeah. Microsoft Teams. So Bethany says Teams. Diana, what did you say? I said email. That's supposed to be a form of communication. That's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Diana communicates with me non-verbally all the time. I see non-verbally. Just licks, licks from across the office. Mm-hmm. Loud and clear. All right. So speaking of nonverbal versus verbal, studies show that actually the nonverbals outweigh the verbals, meaning even though your words are positive, if your facial expressions or your body language is negative, uh, the overall vibe of the conversation is going to be negative, too. So we have we have email, we have teams or we can even put teams in maybe a bigger category, like how many of us have you know, Slack or this uh, maybe it's a Trello thing that we're communicating through or instant messaging uh, there. What other devices can you think of that we have for communication? Well, I feel like I'm on a Zoom call 90% of my life now. Oh, man. I think, well, Zoom stock, I don't know if you guys saw that, rose like 400%, um, which is which is insane. So we're not the only ones on Zoom quite a bit. Video conferencing, that that's become kind of another hot topic for us yeah. that people have been asking, how do I facilitate things through virtual learning, right? Not through those video conferences. Bethany, what do you think? I mean, we text all the time. We, you know, we are doing face to face, but yeah, like you said, Zoom is happening a lot more. But there's still, fortunately, we still kind of have that face to face interaction. Uh, another big one right now. I mean, it's been one, but I think you know, just with all that's going on, social media is a huge is a huge way that people. Uh, attempt, I'll say attempt to communicate right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a great platform for constructive conversations. Way to put that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we yeah. can either be friends or we can fight yeah. uh, on social media. And I can yeah. do it all behind the keyboard. One of the things that we really recommend companies do is they just need more memes. Like if we could just do more sarcastic <laughs> memes, uh, we use memes then that would really help companies to thrive. Pro tip. Okay, so we have all of these different methods of communication that we use, right? All of these different methods, but communication still suffers on this grand scale. And I don't need to ask the pandering question because Don kind of alluded to it in his story already. But the question is, how come we have so many uh, methods of communication, yet communication still struggles? 
And the reality is that we don't all communicate in the same way. So what we're going to do is walk through these four basic styles of communication. We recognize there's lots of different ways that you can do this, whether it's the strengths finder that Don talked about earlier, whether it's a Myers-Briggs or a disk assessment or, you know, so many different types of things like that. But we're going to walk through these four that we kind of boil these down to. So what are the four different styles um, of communication then that we're going to be discussing today? Don, give us one. So the first one and my favorite one is the white border. <laughs> Your favorite. It's my favorite one. It's the it's the one that, you know, like Matt said before, it's the one where you sit down and you come up with all these brilliant ideas that will take the world years to decode and figure out next. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, a lot of the break, I mean, Einstein's theory of relativity, people are still figuring out nuances of that. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good one. It's the best, obviously, yeah. communication style that's out there. Uh, just and and the, the idea is you just are it's throwing ideas out there. It's just ideating and thinking new ways and innovating and and mm -hmm. and and just just hey, what if we did this? It's challenging the groups. It's that style that you, that you think about the people who love to have a whiteboard and just draw on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's like you. It's like Einstein and Don. Don, those are the only people. I, I didn't draw that. You 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 connected those. <laughs> no, dots. I connected that dot myself. Yeah. Good. So we have a whiteboard user. Thanks for the the little definition there, Diana. What what's another one? Well, like Don said, if people are still working on Einstein's theory of relativity, it's because the outliners are still figuring out all of the oh, things. Snap after he innovated it, right? He said, this is my idea. And now the outliners are going and working on it. Yeah. So the outliner, some of those traits of the outliner, and uh, you know, they, they typically think in terms of outline, they need the step-by-step -step procedure, which sometimes the whiteboard users don't necessarily see the value in that, uh, but we recognize it later. Bethany, what's another one? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. This has worked out beautifully, by the way. Um, I would I would like to argue that I think empathizers are actually probably the the most effective communicators because <laughs> they they really understand people and they get them and they want to help, you know, with all the causes. So that's mm -hmm. what I would say. Empathizers, yes. Empathizers like to collaborate because we're better together after all, Absolutely. right? And uh, frankly, I guess I'll go to bat for the fourth one here, and I'm tired of this conversation already. I feel like we need to get things moving. The go-getter <laughs> enters the room, everybody. The go-getter is the fourth uh, type of communication style that we would boil this down to. So the go-getter and the outliner might have very, uh, very you know, similar um, goals, objectives, things like that, but their approach is much different. The go-getter is the one that says they see it and they don't mind to walk over or through whatever they need to to get to that goal, whereas the outliner might want more of a process approach. Typically, the whiteboard users and, and the empathizers are more collaborative. They're more relational. They like to uh, work in, in collaborating groups uh, with people, not necessarily on an island by themselves, too. So, there's different ways that we can uh, pinpoint on how to actually identify which style, what style the, that, that you are. We have a quiz that, that we'll link to this as well if you would like to take the quiz and see what style, uh, what style you are. But what are some of those telltale signs that might be able to help us identify? If I'm sitting in the car right now, I'm listening to this podcast, what are some of those things? Who has some ideas about what are some of those things that might lend itself to me that I might uh, be uh, one of those different styles there. Any tips uh, or signs that we can give, Don? Well, you can certainly listen to the other person. I mean, so you could have them take an assessment, right? But that's just not very practical of like, okay, hey, everybody, it's a brand new right. team and I just met somebody and here everybody take this assessment. We'll figure out what this is. But there's definitely clues that you listen for. Um, so like a white border, for example, if you think about somebody who says, you know, wait a minute, is that the way we should always do it? You know, what if we did it a different way? 
Or I have a question. Why do we even do this? this why do we, why does this exist? Or um, what if we did this? It's, it's those kinds of things of just throwing ideas out there. They're pretty, the whiteboards are pretty easy to spot. They're always looking for new ways of doing things. They're the ones that oftentimes at the end of the meeting uh, are like, everybody's all done. Everybody has a course of action. And they're the ones that throw the monkey wrench into the whole thing and just say, okay, <laughs> What you know? What is this even important for us to do this? Let's think about a different. Let's think about this a different way. That's that's a white border. Yeah, those white borders will say things like, "Wait, wait, wait! I know the meeting is wrapped up, but here's a twist." Yeah. To which the go getters and the outliners throw their clipboards up against the wall and curse audibly. <laughs> and off out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> those things. Again, that's a great example of how we would associate frustration and just avoid those people. Um, but there's also a benefit to that too. So we'll get to that in just a moment. So that's a great way to recognize maybe a whiteboard. Uh, what are some of the things that, uh, let's say the empathizer is maybe doing that I can recognize that I'm dealing with an empathizer? Bethany, you brought up an empathizer. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, as an empathizer, I can speak from experience. I think generally you can you can know an empathizer when you walk into a meeting and they're the ones that are you know trying to say hi to people and say hey how was your weekend um, and just kind of just learning about what's going on with people and getting sort of some updates on things before you kind of launch into the 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 business and the agenda of the of the meeting and things like that. They're also going to be normally the ones who you know, for maybe the whiteboarders or something, or maybe whoever, um, when they voice their opinions, they want to say, hey, no, no, let's hear this person out um, and try to make sure we're kind of giving everybody an opportunity to share their thoughts and opinions before we make any kind of big decision. That's good. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to that when you said a couple of things, you know, because there's a positive side and an, and and maybe a perceived negative side to each one of these that I think it's important to maybe walk through. Uh, because it's easy to kind of go to bat for our own, you know, it's kind of easy to go to bat for our own style and, and try to put everybody there. I think we've taken tests like this before, whether it was the strength finder or, or I have a great, you know, illustration. I took the disc for the first time and I, I got my results back and, and I immediately called my wife and I said, good news, good news, honey. I have the cheat sheet for how I need you to interact with me for us to be good going forward right so if you can just i don't know how you're still married (laughs) i was it was it was tongue-in-cheek mostly (laughs) but i think that's the way that we choose to do that we take those types of assessments and then we're like good news everybody just follow this list and we'll get along fine and 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 we don't actually look at our faults or our flaws so we've walked through whiteboard user we've walked through empathizer what are some of those things that let's use a go-getter what are some of those things that i can maybe identify quickly that i'm dealing with a go-getter what are they going to be doing, Diana? Well, I'm a outliner go-getter, which is very contradictory. But the go-getter is going to be the ones that are going to say things like, okay, let's try it. Let's go do it. How long is this going to take? When can we get started? They kind of just want to like launch from the starting line and just get it rolling. The When things don't make progress, it drives them crazy, right? So like they need they need it to move forward. Yeah, I'm going to give Diana credit here because she used a great illustration um, in in a session that she and I were doing one time. And again, I I drew a similarity with the outliner and the go-getter. They both are goal-oriented. They both are task-driven. They have an objective that they're trying to achieve. 
And Diana said, imagine the go-getter and the outliner starting at the same starting line, and they both, 100 yards away, they see the objective and the key that they're trying to get to, the goal that they're trying to get to. The go-getter might be the one that, uh, you know, recognizes, uh, let's say they both recognize there's a problem midway through. Uh, the go-getter is the one that's going to be going, uh, okay, so uh, I recognize there's a problem midway through, blah, 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 don't worry about it, we'll deal with it when we get there. Whereas the outliner is going to go, no, 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 I see the problem also. Um, I'd like to take a step back at this time, though, and maybe do a little homework on how to avoid that problem so we don't have to even encounter it in the first place. I thought that was a great illustration. Yes, we're both yeah. goal-oriented, but we have a very different approach about how we want to achieve that goal. Is that fair? Totally, yes. Okay, I thought that was great. So I wanted to give you good job, Diana. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I still use that. I still use that well. <laughs> uh, everybody can take that. Good. Uh, all right, good. So uh, let's talk about Outliner then, I guess, just just uh, briefly here, since we kind of just touched on it with the go-getter there. But how do I know that I am working with an Outliner, Don? They're asking a lot of questions. They're usually pointing at, you know, hey, what, they're asking for details. They're starting to lay things out. Uh, they're the ones that a lot of times will take the lead, you know, where the whiteboarder likes to draw like big concepts up on the board. Outliners are the ones that like to make lists. So they're starting to realize, well, let's think about the 10 different things we're now. Okay, so we're gonna have to do this. We're gonna have to do this. And they're the ones that a lot of times are organizing thoughts during the course of a meeting and trying to put things into buckets. I love a good bulleted bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about this. And I, I kind of alluded to it uh, just a minute ago here, but for each one of these, let's just quickly, let's start with a go-getter. What are the positives of being that go-getter? Diana, what do you think? What's the positive side of that? I think they're quick to start projects and they get things rolling and they're they're the ones that want to move things forward. I think that's really good on a team when you're trying to get stuff done. I agree. Don, what might be the negative side of a go-getter or the perceived negative side? Well, I've got a, I've got a couple of really quick stories to show the positive and then I'll show the negative side. Like okay. I, I, I'm a big history buff and like George McClellan during the Civil War was out and they were standing at the edge of this river and he and the generals were looking at it, trying to figure out how deep this river was. And they're considering it. And they're looking at maps and looking at surveys. and They're talking about how they're going to do this. And uh, General Custer was with them at the time. And General Custer just shouts to them. And he's out in the middle of the river on his horse. He goes, it's this deep. Like just standing out in the middle of the, that's what a go, that's what a go getter gets you. It's just like we're just going to try this and look. If this is how deep it is. We're done. Let's move forward on it. Uh, like a negative go getter. Like I was at visiting a client's uh, office one time, and I was waiting outside of somebody's office to talk to somebody. And somebody waiting in the office or somebody in the office next door, uh, we just kind of made eye contact, and I said, "Hey, good morning, Jeff." And he looks at me and he says, "What?" Yeah. And I was like. I was like <laughs> I just said, oh, I was just saying good morning. I was waiting for an appointment there. And he goes, oh, okay. Yeah. And I, he, to him, like, I don't think he wasn't being rude or trying to be rude. He was just working and he was in work mode and he just, he's definitely a go-getter. Like, let me just get all this stuff done. And when I said something, he looked at it as like, there's another task before me. I need to understand it and process it. Like, okay, bring it to me. Oh, it's nothing. Okay. never mind. Right. I don't need you right now. Oh, this is small talk. I get it. Right. How are you, Don? <laughs> <laughs> Not to jump ahead, but that, you know, to, especially to an empathizer, that is incredibly off-putting when you have that. That's one of those tension things that you're like, I don't know what yeah. to do with you right now. 
<laughs> I don't think you're jumping ahead. In fact, Bethany, let's continue that. So the positive side of an empathizer, what do you think? What would the positives of an empathizer be? Um, I would say, you know, generally they try to be friendly with everybody and they want to make sure that we're kind of considering everybody's thoughts and opinions and feelings and all of those things, which can be really beneficial to make sure that you're making decisions that are, um, especially if they're impacting everybody, um, that people can get on board with. Um, but I think, uh, well, some of the negative things could be, um, you know, sometimes they get, sometimes it's hard to make decisions and move things forward because we get so stuck in the cycle of like, oh, we've got to, we've got to think about everybody, um, that we don't, we might not be able to make a decision quickly. Okay, good. And we'll talk just briefly about that too. In just a moment about team dynamic too. If I'm the manager of these folks, how do I put how do I, how do I, that's just a lot of pieces now that I have to manage. So, but lastly, to wrap mm-hmm. it up, whiteboard users, what's the positive of the whiteboard user? There's so many. Yeah, I, mean, I can't. I know. Yeah. We only have a few minutes yeah. left. So try to consolidate those under one. There's so many. Well, I mean, the whiteboard user is very good at crashing through problems or barriers. Um, they're good at thinking about different ways of doing things, innovating, uh, coming up with new ideas of things. Yeah, they'll stretch uh, the boundaries of that too, right? Even though we've never done it before, they might be the one that look at it and go, hey, we've never done this before, but I think it's worth looking at. Uh, yeah, let's, they, let's make it better. Yeah, there's a. I'm involved with our leadership program here in Springfield, and I'm also one of my strengths finders. Says I'm a maximizer, so I love to think about how can we make things better. But to some people, it's like there's a 28 year program that you're trying to improve that gets <laughs> right. great reviews. Like, what are you what are you doing? And some people value that, and some people don't. On the flip side of it, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what what would be the negative perception perceivably of the whiteboard user? Why do you always have to change everything? <laughs> Yeah, I live with whiteboard users, you guys. It's my life. Uh, And so I do know and understand the negatives very, very much in my heart. Uh, I think you could, I think it is that uh, why do you always have to change something like this is going really well or we don't need another idea right we have nine thousand ideas I need someone to execute something and so I think sometimes it gets it gets daunting when you guys are so innovative yeah I, I like to you know illustrate the whiteboard user too of of hey we could do this we could do this oh this would be awesome we should think about this and the outliner of the room goes yeah 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 how do we plan on doing any of that? And then the whiteboard user can kind yeah. of step back and be like, whoa, 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 that's not my jam. That's where you come in. See, like I, <laughs> I'm giving you these gems and you're not running with anything, right? Like I need you to, to execute some of these things. So, all right. So let's, let's, you know, kind of wrap up our conversation here by talking about, let's say I'm the manager of these people. Let's say this is your team. Um, how do I decipher uh, maybe how to utilize those folks or how do I put together a team to make sure that that we are uh, covering all the bases there? Where would I start with something like that, Don? Well, I was going to say first first thing to do, which I think is a common mistake, is don't try to change people. Um, you want them to work within their strengths. You need all four of those different communication styles on your team. And sometimes I think people say, well, like you care too much about people. I just need you to get over it. Um, like, like stop doing that. Or people just say like, look, I need you to work out the detail. I dive into all the details. Like I need you to, it's, it's difficult to, uh, it's sometimes you have to work, meet people where they are a little bit and shift your management style to meet them. Um, but at the same time, I think you can challenge people within those different roles. You look at the weakness and you don't think about how do you completely change who you are. The, the, the mindset is to think about how can you use the strength of their communication style to overcome the weakness. So 
like for a whiteboard user, you can think about what are some ideas you might have about how we can execute this and stay focused on it. Um, you know, how it's setting deadlines for whiteboard users because whiteboard users will just go off and kind of just ideate. It's, it's creating language to help them know like, okay, now I need your strength. Okay. Now dial it down and let's let somebody else jump in here. We need the empathizers. That's we need good. to figure out how this is going to impact people. Um, it's setting some structure, some framework around the conversation, then also creating that common language. So if everybody understands what other people's styles are, then people understand what roles they play. Uh, within those different styles and you can get out of each other's way so that the, you can each do what you're really good at doing and pass it off at the appropriate times. Again, that's part of the benefit of this whole conversation, right? You know, it, it's so fun to take the quiz and find out who I am. Chances are you probably know who you are, how you communicate without taking the quiz, totally. right? The benefit of some, an activity like this is recognizing, okay, who I am not. And then how do I communicate with those people? Uh, because I think in order to be an effective peer, an effective manager, an effective leader, I need to be able to communicate well, um, no matter you know which style that it is. Even though I don't prefer to communicate like that, sometimes I have to step outside of myself. If I am communicating with uh, Diana, who might be more on the outliner side, I might need to break up my thought process and say, this is what I'm thinking and why, instead of just going, hey, can we do this? Let's do it uh, and jumping in. Uh, right. So I, I might need to understand who I'm communicating with and then do my best to try to adapt instead of always expecting that people are going to adapt uh, to, to us, which I think is, is uh, frankly, the norm uh, for us, too. So just that by itself, Matt, is a huge, huge insight. If you recognize that the only person you can control at the end of the day, and this is going to come across on lots of different topics that we cover. Um, it's easy to blame another person. Oh, that person just needs to do this or that other person needs to do this. The only person you can focus on is yourself, whether you're a manager, whether you're an employee, whether you're an owner. So what do you do differently and how you show up with other people? Yeah. Um, that, that theme is going to come up over and over and over again. Yeah. So often people are, are blaming their reaction on the action yeah. of somebody else instead of just recognizing maybe the accountability that they have with that, too. So. Uh, final thoughts, Diana? Uh, I was just going to say, I think it's really, really important, going back to what Don said, it is important for you to say, what can I control? Because I could easily get mad at Don or you for throwing out amazing ideas all the time, but that would be so silly of me because we need all those ideas, right? It just takes me time to go back and say, okay, which ideas oh, yeah. are we going to execute on now? And I think that's that's yeah. the reality. You have to have all of it. And, a, you know, a good a good team, a good team dynamic. We talk about this in communication styles, too, but a good team or a healthy culture has healthy conflict, too. So the recognition of somebody going, OK, so I'm going to let them ideate, but then I'm going to push back on three of those ideas. Right. Yep. I don't know that we should be doing that because of X, Y or Z. And if that's a healthy con if you are in a healthy team environment, it's OK to have those conversations, too, uh, and not take offense when we're not doing one of those different exactly. things. too. Yep. And I think that's a, a great illustration. Yeah. yeah, we recently led a conversation with an executive team and we were asking them, think about teams that you've been on that worked really, really well together, that just really dug in deep and got a lot of really powerful work done that you felt really close with that became trusted. And one of the number one things that they all talked about was that the teams had open conflict, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. They yeah. started to recognize the roles that they played and how they could help each other out within their strengths. 
and how they would sometimes argue of, no, it's not time for us to think about how people feel about this. We just need to take some steps forward. No, 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 wait, we've got to outline. We got to get more information. We've got to get more details on this. No, no, no. We just need to act. We just need to take some No, we've got, there's a better idea out there. That conflict is really, really good for a team if you can understand it and then leverage all of it. I think that I think you you probably just blew people's minds talking about conflict and a healthy team, <laughs> you know, but the reality is if you don't bring it up to be able to have conflict in the first place, it doesn't mean there's not conflict. You're just going rogue. And now with, now it's this hidden conflict. And the real also the reality is that you're probably involving other people in the conflict instead of the person that you actually need to involve, which can deteriorate a team. So which is anti-communication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not sharing those things and having that open conflict, then the best ideas occur in the after meetings. Right. right. It's everybody yeah. standing out in the hallway going, I don't even understand why we're going this direction. I don't think this is going to work, you know, and that, but that happens right. after the meeting and that happens after the time where you can do something about it. And then it's just people complaining. Now you have, now that starts to grow misalignment and that grows some mistrust on the team. Uh, communication is so important. Hey guys, today we had a great conversation about communication, a few quick takeaways to consider. If you only think about how you communicate, you're doing it wrong. Don't just plaster your communication style on your desk and expect your coworkers to cater to your preferences. You can't over communicate. Sending an email isn't always the most effective way to communicate even if you like to get info via email. Look for different opportunities and methods to communicate the same information, even if it feels redundant. Depending on people's communication style, they'll latch onto different methods. Another quick takeaway is help your team develop a common language. You can do this by, yes, sharing how you communicate and also asking others how they prefer communication. And last, conflict can be healthy and good. You just have to communicate through it. Step back and recognize that the other person might not be against you. They may just communicate differently than you do. Hey, we would also love to hear what you took away from this conversation to reach out to us and let us know. Have you been thinking about starting a podcast but aren't sure where to start? I have to tell you about Anchor. It's a free creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but with literally one click, they distribute your podcast to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more so you can reach more listeners. They make it so easy. It was a no-brainer for us. Try it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time, and in the meantime, lead well. Well.